you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the League Podcast is wary of shadowy league figures. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be a great weekend. How was your Thursday night, Dan? Thursday night was excellent. Well, let's let's ditch the pretense. We were actually taping Thursday, and we're we're trying to be cute here. It's going up first thing Friday, but as you can see, we're professionals, so we're, we can mess with tense and time. It just shows the power we have over the medium. <laughs> I'm not as professional as Mark Sessler, who brought up uh, a Russian novel up here in, in terms of his printouts just to get ready for the show. This it- is. Yeah, this is not a something that Sessler. This is more than one time he's done this, and it's interesting. A man of what the trees, this? seriously, this a man that is loves nature. Not for the show. It's a scatter report. By the way, oh, okay. and I'm going to send a photo out at some point because for the past whatever it is, eleven, twelve months, I am the individual without a computer monitor in here, and so mm. any information that I want to reference must be printed out. West so, doesn't use his at all. I don't use that's, that's not a good That's excuse. fair, but uh, well, this is not. This, bring your laptop there is a pile of paper to my left, which has nothing to do with the show. You I are destroying that. the environment worse than China. The question is: Does a smart man go, take a trip to Kinkos and drop like twenty-two dollars to print four hundred papers, or does he do it on the office? Nobody printer? prints four hundred papers anymore. It's over for printing. If a guy were to do that, would you do it at your office or at Kinkos for twenty-two dollars? Mark is that guy that you know before the weekends out goes and picks up a bunch of highlighters and post-it notes and brings it home just, well, just that's, to uh, save uh, a few bucks. I would probably na, na, just na, download na, it onto na. my iPad. That would be one way to look at it in the 21st century. I like that. Yeah, yeah. but I don't, I'm tired of my eyes looking at computers all day long. That's okay. why. And you know, listen. All right, all right. All right. Your eyes my, are priceless. My reasoning is pure. It come, there, there is reason. Okay, so we got a really nice show today. I'm very excited. We're all very excited. Bucky Brooks, uh, NFL analyst for NFL Media, will be back his second visit uh, with us. We're going to talk about he came to us and said that he had some good information to share in, in his talks around the league. He's a pretty plugged-in guy, so Bucky's going to be in here. We're going to dig into a little bit. We have our projected starters series where we basically um, you know, make predictions who will be starting uh, what will be the starting roster for each team on week one in September? So we're gonna, you know, have some fun talking about that a little bit. We're gonna get th- we're gonna get Kevin Patra coming at you on the phone. He had something he wanted to discuss with us, so we're going to mm. handle that. And then not any not his relate not any long distance relationship or anything like that. N- I don't think so. That would be weird. Patra is single and looking to mingle. We're ready to mingle. It would be weird if he were in a relationship. Yeah. No, weird if he was going to talk, I guess, if that was what he really wanted to talk to us about. But, gentlemen, before any of that, the gold standard behind the glass, how so, are you? I'm good. Thank you. We do have something to talk about about gold standard a little later in the show. Do. Uh, let's do some news, buddy. Let's do it.
Michael Vick was signed by the New York Jets in the offseason uh, to compete with Geno Smith for the starting job, or so we've been led to believe. But Vick had some interesting comments to say on Thursday. Uh, he told he told reporters this, going through the competition with Nick, referring to Foles last season, both of us coming in, that was an open competition, and the best guy was going to win the job. That's what it was. It was pretty much cut and dry. But this situation is different. It's kind of unique, even though it's not an open competition. We're both competing every day. And the key there is even though it's not an open competition, what does that mean? Does Michael Vick truly believe that he doesn't have a chance to win this job at a training camp? It's a competition, but it's not open. He He's right. That is unique. <laughs> Basically, it seems what he's getting at is it's this is not last year where Chip Kelly came out and said, you know, the best man's going to win this job. According to Michael Vick, and this is a little interesting because John Idzik, the Glacier, and Rex Ryan have both said it's an open competition. He's not buying it. He's not buying it, and he's making it known, which is kind of interesting. So it's Geno Smith's job to lose, which is perfectly but he's saying, reasonable scenario. It sounds like he's saying... I'm assuming I'm not winning this job unless Geno Smith does something catastrophic. To hear Michael Vick, an established player, I don't think even that's say. what he's saying. What's he saying? I think he's saying they want Geno Smith to have the job. I'm not going to make any waves. If I outplay him in preseason by quite a bit, they'll give me the job, but it's going to take that to happen. I agree with that. And, you know, the general manager, he went out there and drafted this quarterback and. This is a team that he inherited that has had three or four straight years of off-seasons completely disrupted by quarterback controversies when there really wasn't a quarterback. And I think ideally the Jets would like to have Geno Smith go in as the unquestioned starter, but the problem is he's got to keep the job. What about this? What if Vic is sort of setting Geno up here? little Jedi mind trick. Loop-de-loop. Don't take me... Ooh, the rope-a-dope. Don't take me too seriously. It's not really an open competition. Kind of like, you know, when I was a a high school tennis player. Oh, boy. How did we get down this road? (laughs) Did not see this coming. I would wear wear ragtag sort of outfits. Not really tennessee shorts, some, you know, goofy sneakers. I would try to look as goofy as possible. So, you know... Play, play a little bad. How did you pull that off? In warm-ups. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they don't take you too seriously. And then when it's competition time, they don't know what hit you. Excellent analogy. The last 13 <laughs> years of Vic's career means nothing to Geno Smith. <laughs> um, and, well, listen to this. And I found this also interesting. This is a second part of his quote. It's still tough right now. I won't lie. Deep down, you always want to be a starter. You always feel like you're a starter, and that's just the competitive nature in me. Hopefully that opportunity will come again one day. I've just got to keep working for it. It seems like it's a little bit fugazi. When you bring up what Greg just brought up, it sounds... What's that code for? (laughs) Ah, It's it's, it's a little fraud. It's a little fake. I don't buy it. I think he thinks he's going to win the job still, and he's just kind of playing it quiet. He's playing playing the card. You were saying, Mark? No, I mean, I... I, I, Dan, you're convinced Gino's going to be the week one starter. He will. Oh, In fact, we made a sandwich bet about it this morning, and I'm very, I've never been more confident about any sandwich bet than this. John Idzik, if he starts Michael Vick, it's an admission of failure on the 39th overall pick in last year's draft. So I think that that will be enough, barring an absolute Geno Smith meltdown in the preseason, that he will at least get the start. But 
at the beginning of the season. But where I think that Michael Vick was smart to take this job is Vick knows that Geno's on a very short leash. And I think Vick is anticipating Geno's failure. Or maybe he's looked around and he's like, man, Jeff Cumberland's the best receiver on this team. I don't want to be starting. I mean, the Jets, like 31 (laughs) other teams, are in the business of putting the best players on the field. And I don't think they're going to hand Geno Smith anything. I think that's what they want. But if Vic outplays him, why would would they not play Vic when they've added all these other parts? Because they believe in Geno Smith. I think John Idzik believes in Geno Smith. The Browns believed in Brandon Whedon last year, too. Well, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right, but I think the team is not going to give up on Geno Smith yet. We shall see. We shall. San Francisco 49ers linebacker Alden Smith is beginning to sort out his pending legal case. Smith pleaded no contest as charged on Wednesday to three felony counts of illegal possession of an assault weapon and to two misdemeanor counts of driving under the influence of alcohol. Uh, Smith is scheduled for a July 25th sentencing in Santa Clara. Gentlemen, Alden Smith, I, is he going to be in the mix in 2014 on the NFL field at all? Is he going to be in jail? Is he going to be in jail? No, I, I'm not kidding. No, and Ian That's Rappaport, a weird thing no one really yeah. talks about. Or NFL jail. I mean, he's got a suspension right. coming for well, sure. At I some think point, a suspension's right? coming, but I think Ian Rappaport, our insider, put it well like a month or so ago and kind of pointed out this guy, forget about NFL suspension. He has a pretty decent chance of ending up in a prison and pleading guilty to multiple charges like this. He's really throwing himself at the mercy of a judge. Well, the difference between no contest and pleading guilty, there is a difference. And part of the reason they do this, it's a strategy. They're hoping for a lesser sentence because he pleaded no contest. We're not legal experts. We're not going to get into it. He could be put in jail for no time at all. Or he could be up to four years in four months, depending on what the judge decides to do. They must have felt good that if they plead no contest to all these charges that they'll get a favorable result, but who knows? This, these are serious charges, felony assault weapons charges, and you would think, especially because Smith has a history, um, he's not a first-time offender in terms of the league, in terms of getting in trouble, that the league's going to punish him Right. These weren't things, these weren't charges that got pleaded down to something lesser, and then he accepted a guilty plea, which you see a lot. He, he accepted these charges, and now he's really, you know... I would be surprised if we see him in 2014. Again, none of us are legal mm. experts, but it seems between the actual potential uh, prison sentence hanging over him and then what the league is going to do with him, it just seems very difficult to imagine him playing. I well, if he were to run out and smoke grass from the planet Earth, then he would definitely be out for 16 games. <laughs> Josh Gordon. <laughs> Josh Gordon heat from Sessler. <laughs> it ain't right. I know, Mark. Moving forward, Andre Johnson, as you'll remember last week, wondered aloud to a group of reporters at a charity event if Houston was still the place for him after last year's 2-14 and season. Andre doesn't want to be involved with the, another rebuilding process. Now Ian Rappaport reported this on Wednesday that the wide receiver doesn't plan on attending mandatory workouts with the team, mandatory minicamp with the team, I should say, uh, he's already been on record saying that uh, the OTAs are not something that's voluntary that he'll want to take part in. And now it looks like he'll p- sit out the mandatory minicamp as well. So we don't know how this is going to pan out ultimately with Johnson, but he's serious about his unhappiness with the situation. That's the next level of 
being upset is giving up money. If you skip mandatory minicamp, you can get fined. It indicates that he might be ready to skip part of training camp. Generally, players are only willing to give up so much money. They don't want to incur fines for all of training camp. They don't. They certainly don't want to miss game checks. We've seen these standoffs over the years again and again, and they usually end in the middle of August if they haven't ended by then. This one's a little bit different. I yeah. would like to know from Andre Johnson, to what end? Yeah, To I what agree. end are you doing this? He didn't say he wants to be traded. He just doesn't want to go through a rebuilding process, but it seems like he's doing some thinking about that. He also indicated it's not about the quarterback position. It's just about rebuilding. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> this was after the draft. It I didn't... wish he wasn't a liar. I wish he weren't a liar. <laughs> the, one of the more vocal critics of the quarterback scenario last year, Johnson, yes. right? Yes. Who really wanted to change. Right, and it was after the draft that he got upset. It wasn't when they started rebuilding. If you're, though, the Texans, do, are, you, are you potentially, in the back of your mind, entertaining the idea of moving him because there's a new regime versus a coach that's been in there five, six years and just going to weather through the storm, do you want to maybe move this problem situation while you can still get value? There is one interesting way to look at this. Their draft shows that they're going to be a run-the-ball-with-volume team that relies on defense and a ground attack. I don't know. They're not going to compete for a division title this year, I don't think, with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm, I, that would make some sense. The dead money situation is what's hard to swallow. $11.96 million in dead money, which means that the Texans would have that money on the cap for the right to not have Andre Johnson Well, it's on also the dead money if he's not on the field. But he will. There's, they can call his bluff. They're, he's not going to sit out the season. Greg, I agree with that. Greg lays in bed at night trying to figure out how this ends with Andre Johnson playing for Bill Belichick. Oh, it's happening! One phone call. <laughs> Get a ring! Revis, AJ, Brady. You ain't getting no more rings, buddy. You're, Tom Brady's just about to go into that late period Dan Marino decline <laughs> where wow. it's a giant statue behind the line of scrimmage taking sacks and throwing off the back foot. Oh, it's happening. Ends oh. with like a 65-point loss to the Jaguars? No, it actually... <laughs> oh, give me a break. You little punk. It, <laughs> it actually ends with a, a young guy by the name of Jimmy Garoppolo leading them to a surprising Super Bowl title, <laughs> Dynasty 2. Uh, finally in the news. <laughs> former, that's absurd. Um, just crazy. Former Vikings coach Bud Grant, who, of course, if you're a uh, football fan that goes back a little bit, you know that Grant led the Vikings to four Super Bowl appearances. They lost all of them. Is that correct? Yes. He did win four great cups in the CFL. In Down six appearances. <laughs> Very anti-CFL crowd. He won two there. NBA titles as a player. He also played three sports at the University of Minnesota. What have you done? <laughs> I work on a podcast. It's fun. Um, Bud Grant, yes, the former Vikings coach. Apparently, this kind of went over, I think, all of our heads, has hosted a garage sale for the past nine years. And uh, this year, he will be holding another one. He's 87 years old now. The final one. The last biggest, most best final garage sale. And that's uh, because he must be running out of stuff after 10 years, you'd think. <laughs> He's going to be offering, quote, one-of-a-kind items from his personal collection. 
uh, including Vikings memorabilia and blah, 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 blah. All of this is just to get to Chris Wessling's mind and his imagination with the help of some other people in the newsroom about, you know, some potential items, NFL items that could be found in a great rummage sale. So, Wes, <laughs> we're going to throw it to you. And uh, if you want to throw out a couple of options that people might find. Uh, Damashek, to no surprise, had some great suggestions. The Super Bowl one jetpacks, where that was like the halftime show or the pregame show, where they actually had these futuristic like Jetsons jetpacks, guys flying all over the air, like zooming all over the place. That was pretty cool. And then the Mean Joe Green Coke bottle. I thought that the most iconic commercial in NFL history. That would be good. You've got a lot. You've got a lot on here. I like uh, Eric Dickerson's goggles. <laughs> That's funny. Goggles, not giggles. <laughs> uh, you've got Rod Smart's He Hate Me jersey. I don't know about that one. All right. Mike, well, you, you don't Mike, have to buy it then. Mike Dicka's sweater vest. I would get that. I like that. I would think Eric Dickerson's goggles would be loaded with uh, bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good crowd tonight. Lively crowd. <laughs> Joe Horn's flip fo- phone, which I'll always remember. That was in like a 2003, I believe, Saints game at the Superdome, a su- Sunday night game. And I'll remember it because it was the same exact phone I had. Mm. And at that very moment, I connected on with Joe Horn in a way I never imagined I would. While half of the uh, white male-dominated media was losing its mind over what Joe Horn had just done, you connected with him. Good for you. I white, like that, Dan. The whites are the worst. I like uh, Terrell <laughs> Owen Sharpie. That's good. Writing yeah. utensil means I don't need to steal one from the uh, closet over there on the second floor. But... <laughs> Not that that that's really a, wasn't. That's that fun. a callback from you know. That's perfect. That's nice. Imagining the ink though run out at this point, correct? Is there a comedy Emmy for podcasts that perhaps we could win? You guys are killing it right now. Oh, obviously. Studio audience back here is going wild. They're going. You know what nuts. the sleeper list on this is? What the sleeper item? Charles Martin's hit list hand towel. Mm. Which what is that? When he okay, so the the Bears and Packers are playing in the mid eighties, and Charles Martin has a hand towel. With names written in marker, marker of the people that he has a bounty on. And he mm. ends up, like, five seconds after a play is over with, body slams Jim McMahon into the turf, separates McMahon's shoulder, and it ends up Charles Martin gets suspended, and the, uh, the hitman list on the towel was evidence. Mm. I like that. Like a pre-bounty bounty. Yes. And Wes and I both read uh, Helter Skelter. When I first saw that, I saw Charles Manson's hit list. And I was like, <laughs> Chris has gone far afield on this list here. The, this article is titled The Ultimate NFL Garage Sale. It could also be titled, Hey, it's May. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's it. That's all it for right. that conversation. And I had a bunch that I suggested, but I felt like they were all things that would get Wes fired if you put them in a story that had his byline on it. So we're all good. We did get to include Max McGee's Super Bowl one Eve bar tab. Mm. <laughs> I wonder how much of the audience will get that. But do a Wikipedia search and you'll find out. All right, gentlemen, let's move forward. Hey, we were talking about the team of ATL. By the way, Gold Center, have you done any uh, research on that yet? Oh, yeah, tons. Have you reached out to Dick Banks, the one-man house band, about a potential AT- team of ATL theme? We're trying to get some things in the works. All right. Good, good, good. According to this published date, he's had two days, not one, to get going on that. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. So, uh, <laughs> very true, Mark. Um, but before we um, 
before we well, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> what were we just talking about? Patrick. Well, oh, yeah. Patrick. oh yeah. So we talked about um each of us threw out a team that maybe would be a team that maybe we can get behind in two thousand fourteen, the way we did with the Panthers in two thousand thirteen. Uh, and Kevin Patra, coming at you, our Chicago correspondent, he wanted to get involved with the mix. He sent an uh, instant message to me this morning saying there was a team that jumped out to him. So why don't we get him on the line, Gold Standard, and we'll find out who that team is. Better not be the Lions. Kevin Patra, are you there? Yes, sir. How's it going, fellas? There he is. How are you, buddy? How you doing, I buddy? Report, I can report there is sun in the Midwest. Mm. Uh, Sessler, actually, Mark, do you want to let Kevin know what you thought he might be doing today? I don't know. My mind, just because we we tried calling you before, no answer. I thought you must be very distracted doing something that brought pleasure to you, and I just had a vision of you (laughs) through a Chicago park, dancing, spinning circles over and over over a green meadow. In the sunlight. (laughs) Couple things there. Actually, I'm uh, just outside Detroit. My well, home. Well, that's an issue. That's a downgrade. And, uh, I may or may not have a little bad blue in my left hand right now. I don't know. All right. Ooh. Well, that's good. See, we're on. Everything is on fire right now. Kevin Patra, you said you you came out and told me this morning on uh, Instant Messenger that there was a team that needs to be broached as a possibility. Not not your formal, not the formal team that you're going to uh, pitch when we figure out the team of ATL, but the team that's tickling your fancy. And who is that? Yeah, I, I listened to you guys the podcast yesterday, and you got you went through every team, and I, the one on my mind you didn't hit, so I just figured I'd throw it out there, and that's the Chicago Bears. Mm, mm, I think they tasty. have a lot of possibilities. Mark uh, Sessler is sold already. I feel like Mark well, parked up a little coach. bit. They have a coach that I think everyone in the room room would like. Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. Spells Mark they with, with a, a C. We like that. Check. We have a a good offense. Bears have a good offense. Check. With two, the best wide receiver group in the league. Check. The, the most underrated running back in the league. Uh, Tulane. Uh, Fair. Tulane. It's not, Tulane's not really a big deal. But. Tulane. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, and and they have, they're going to have a good pass rush next year, and they're going to have one Achilles heel, which I think every team of, of ATL probably has, like, little downside. That's why they are still on the board. And that's the terrible secondary that they could possibly have. Mm. And you hit on a point there, uh, Kevin Patra, and I really do like your pick, and it's making me think um, that any team of ATL is not going to be a flawless organism. It's going to be a team that we just enjoy, and Hmm. we look past the blemishes because we think the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. What do you think, gentlemen? The Bears. I'm not in veto range yet. Okay. But they do have a quarterback known best in the Wesleyan household for his petulance. (laughs) That's the the biggest drawback, right? Yeah, Jay Cutler is by uh, far the biggest drawback to the Chicago Bears. You're saying because he's a jerk. Yeah, he's a petulant guy. And he was outplayed by his backup last year. Oh, stop it. Well, and on the the Cutler front, he doesn't finish seasons. Like, you you have to picture a Bears team that has to have a backup come in and play four games. I can't root for a man who grew up to look like what Hermie the Dentist would be. I don't even know what that means. No one knows what that means. Is that a cartoon from the 20s? <laughs> you even Hermie lost me on that, from Wes. from the Rudolph Christmas story. Hermie oh, the dentist. Oh, that guy. Okay, I know uh, that yeah. one. Cutler, it's, 
has been one of the most entertaining quarterbacks since he entered the league. He's the NFL's who, great villain. Who who puts together more difficult passes than color? He's a fun quarterback to watch. He is on my top five list of quarterbacks to watch. You know what's strange, too, is Seriously. Chris Wessling, who is known as the scientist, one of his uh, nicknames, went with his heart instead of the old noggin. I often his, go with my heart. Right. While Mark made the point, which I think is the biggest fear you should have of, of Cutler, that he can't stay on the field. Wesley is just saying, listen, I don't like his personality. I don't like to the be, guy. Yeah. To, to be fair, before he got hurt and Josh McCown came in, we were talking about how what, you, what a different Jay Cutler was last year. Mm-hmm. I do remember great. Wes sitting in that chair, and you were really happy with his play and how he's made changes, and he was playing like an MVP. Talk to us, Wes. He played better <laughs> last year. He's, he's not a terrible quarterback. I have a hard time rooting for a guy who I don't like. What? Well, and I, and he one said, thing, by the way, Weston didn't say he's vetoing. He I just said it, it's I'm giving him a little is pause. Patra is a Lions fan throwing this out there. That well, that's, shows, that shows that's, some... that's something, too. And if you have Tressman and someone needs to come in for Cutler, that's going to be a well-coached quarter, a quarterback. We saw that last season. A little David Fales action, maybe. Ooh. Oh, wow. Jordan, Jordan Palmer, right, Wes? Jordan Palmer will not play for the Chicago Bears. Well, Kevin Patra, I think that was an excellent suggestion, and they're certainly, uh, you know, it's, again, it's way too early. It's like taking too much out of OTAs with the players. Mm. We don't want to, you know, make it known what teams are really in the mix, but the Bears, that's an interesting thought. Thank, thank you, Kevin, and thanks for all the listeners have chimed in on this issue. They have their own choices. Some had pretty dramatic feelings about whether we should pick it in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I like that they were saying don't pick it in the preseason. And – Patrick, you can now go back to your uh, chess match in the park with John Legend. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Good talk from Kevin Patrick. Always great hearing his voice. Uh, ATL's version of Mark Wahlberg, as we all know. Uh, We are going to now get into – we have a series up on the Around the League page, NFL.com, backslash ATL, the projected 2014 starters. This is where we've predicted – uh, the week one starting lineups for all 32 teams, analyzing the potential impact of each rookie class. So we'll quickly go. We got Bucky Brooks coming in a few minutes. So let's we'll go quickly around the room. And uh, each of us uh, can point out something we, we found interesting from the series. And we will start with the boss, Greg Rosenthal. Well, I'm going to start with the team Kevin Patrick was just talking about. I did the NFC North starting lineups, and it just struck me how the Chicago Bears could be starting six or seven new defensive starters this year. It could be as little as three or four, but you're looking at Jared Allen, Lamar Houston, Kyle Fuller, their first-round pick, Ryan Mundy, strong safety, and then you might also have a couple rookies. Ego Ferguson and Will Sutton could start. Maybe they'll even replace Chris Conte. You could have seven new defensive starters, and then yet you look at the offensive side, Man, they're loaded. That is as good a starting lineup, including the offensive line, as stable as any group in the league. They've just totally flipped from a few years ago, and I I like that starting lineup. I like how Tressman needed essentially about 18 months to come in and fix that line when over the course of how many, seven, eight years, (laughs) Lovey Smith, it just descended into madness with him. Right, and they're as stable as it gets now. I think they're... They're pretty happy it's a group that's better as a group than if you just look at the individuals. The previous regime left kind of a conundrum there on how to fix an aging defense. And it looks like they've done a pretty good job. Let's see how they do with six or seven new starters. 
All right, uh, Wes, what do you? Uh, what did? You, what was the team or player that kind of jumps out to you? It was interesting. The one that jumped out to me was the Bears' division rivals. The Packers don't have a hole on the roster. Whoa, they are a deep, deep team that got a key player in free agency, drafted well, and is getting more key players back from injury than anyone else. Getting Clay Matthews, uh, Casey Hayward, who was a big loss for them last year, was their best cornerback the year before. Brad Jones coming back from injury. And then they have got young guys like Dayton Jones, who they expect to come in and play a huge role this year. And then uh, Micah Hyde, who isn't even listed on our starting lineup, but I think they're going to have to find snaps for him in the secondary. I really like what their defense did. And then, of course, you know, the offense with Aaron Rodgers and Eddie Lacy, the receivers are good. And then they bring in a guy like Devontae Adams, who a lot of people liked in the second round at wide receiver. This is a loaded, loaded roster. So was this a situation where you didn't quite realize it until you sat down and scratched out who was there and wow, if you what look we got at here? the team they put on the field in the champion in not in the playoff game against the forty ers when they lost and they barely lost. Look at the players on defense who are new. Mm. Clay Matthews wasn't on the field. Casey Hayward wasn't on the field. Ha ha Clinton Dix, Julius Peppers, mm. Dayton Jones barely played. This is a, a majorly upgraded roster from their playoff loss. There is one hole, I think, their left tackle. We don't know. David Bakhtiari wasn't particularly great last wasn't year. Wasn't an That's issue. That's a pretty important But he wasn't was was an issue. Character. It's not a <laughs> he, he, he didn't a hurt Aaron Rodgers. I'd say that, and then their defensive end, they have a lot of depth there. They don't know if they have anyone that's particularly good. Mike Daniels played great last year. All right, scientists, bear down. <laughs> Mark Sessler. All right, you know, when I was going through the AFC East today. Yes, Mark. <laughs> thought I'd set that up. You know, I took a look at the Patriots <laughs> roster in a couple issues skill position-wise. And, you know, last year they went through the season without – it doesn't matter what New England does. They're going to win 10, 10, 12, 11 games anyways, go into the playoffs. But I look at Buffalo's lineup and say if you remove the quarterback position from both teams, and that's an, that's an issue, but outside of that – the Buffalo Bills have more talent than the New England Patriots. Stop. Whoa. Buffalo's defense, you want to talk about a defense that doesn't have a weak spot and has potentially one of the better front sevens sure. in football? That's Buffalo. We saw hints of that last season. And then on offense, you've added Sammy Watkins to a wide receiver group, Robert Woods, Mike Williams from Tampa Bay, not a terrible addition, Jackson and Spiller in the backfield. A line that is not a great offensive line necessarily, but they've made some additions there. And look at New England. Edelman, Amendola, Brandon LaFell is your potential number three. And then this Dobson-Tompkins scenario where last year neither one of them jumped out as a premier talent. I like what you're cooking up. I I concede your point that the rosters outside of quarterback are not that dissimilar. However... The Bills do not have the best tight end, quarterback, and cornerback of the past seven, eight years, which the Patriots Gronk, do have. That is true, and, you're, and you need to – and Gronkowski, if he's in there, that's a completely different offense, but I'm not sure he's back there for the beginning of the year. All right, and I will stick in the AFC East with uh, the New York Jets. Um, Mark, Shocker. Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you got to keep people on their toes. Stephen Hill, um, you know, the Jets have waited and been patient with Stephen Hill – um, to emerge a former second-round pick. It hasn't happened. I'm just curious, Mark. I know you, you listed him as the starter. 
in this uh, projection, and I can't really blame you because there's not someone necessarily that will step in. But I really do think he, Hill is in great danger, not only of not having a starting role, but potentially bouncing off this team taken by a prior regime. And you have some other guys, some sneaky guys on the roster. You know, Jacoby Ford maybe can slide into that spot. They took two uh, wide receivers in the fourth round, Jalen Saunders and Shaq Evans, and his name is Shaq, which is cool. So I'm kind of wondering if, <laughs> if one of these young guys can emerge and get on the good side um, of Marty Mordenwig if they're going to see a lot of time, and who knows, maybe they get someone off the street. I just don't think Stephen Hill will have any real role with the Jets in 2014. Well, in the piece itself, we mentioned that Stephen Hill's one of the guys that is in danger of falling off the side of a cliff in New York if he doesn't do something quick. But that sounds great. We're talking week one. I would put him as a week one starter because the Jets probably want to give him one more shot to prove that mm. that draft pick was correct. And we're ta- the other guys you mentioned are people – I've not watched those college guys. I'm not going to jump in and put Shaq, whatever his name is, as the starter this time around. I'm going Stephen Hill. Can he lose his job? Yes, but he also hasn't played with the real quarterback yet. He will be when Michael Vick takes the week one. Ow. Starts under center. Callback. All right. That's it for that. Mark, I know you have to get out of here. I do. Uh, be, and, it's good. You know, it's good because you kind of make some room for a man can, that we respect. <laughs> you can go out on the bottom with this Bills Patriots analogy. Listen, sorry to upset <laughs> no. your future, Greg. It's actually, it, was a, it was a good <laughs> point. Time's running out. Clock's it was, ticking. It was Rosenthal. a good point. Here's the, one, here's the one thing you forgot. One of them is coached by perhaps the greatest coach in NFL history. Doug Marone, yes. And the other one is coached by a guy that went 11-17 and 17 in the Big East. Greg, your team <laughs> hasn't had a losing season since, you were, like a, since you were a freshman right, in gentlemen. college. Mark. I'm out of here. I've had enough. <laughs> Great seeing you. Bye. Bucky Brooks, who uh, is making his way into the studio. and um, This is nice. We've never had like a live guest coming into it. I yes. Like it. So I would like to introduce the man. He is a former... Uh, star at UNC, a second-round pick in the NFL, a personnel man, a scout, an analyst for NFL media, and perhaps most importantly, he has the same exact laugh as Jay-Z. <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty funny. I, I heard Greg in here banging on the bills. Bucky Brooks. Banging on the bills. Hard. Well, oh, I'm sorry you had to watch that, you know, little <laughs> that fam, dope, family dope. argument. <laughs> what do you think? Bills or Patriots roster if you take out the quarterbacks? Are they close? I hate to uh, agree with Mark, but he, he makes mm-hmm. compelling points. They're yeah. pretty talented. Oh. What about what about Jay-Z and Bucky Brooks? Similar laugh? Yeah, you I, ever wish, got that? I, wish, I wish I could have his... Uh, <laughs> His swag and his his, <laughs> his 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 plot in life right now. Can we do a side by side comparison real quick? Wow. Uh, no. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of similar. There's something there, Bucky. It's wow. pretty close. All right, so Bucky, you are a man that we trust for your knowledge of all matters professional football, and you mentioned to Greg in an email that you had a lot of info that you had to share. I just that- I just come come across random stuff and talking to guys throughout the league about mini camps and what they think and how they perceive and you need to unload this information. yeah we don't know anything we gotta dump, so. it, we gotta dump it off so we um, we are the dump <laughs> we are the trash dump that bucky brooks comes to and we're proud to be that so where do we want to start how about i'll throw it out there why don't we start in cleveland which is a team poor mark sessler won't be able to talk about it with you but we're curious what your thought is on the johnny manziel situation in cleveland you know, I think the Cleveland situation is really interesting. Having known Ray Farmer, God, we played against each other in college and really were close friends wow. in the business. Talking about his vision for building a team, 
he's really one of the few guys who has talked about what his vision would be and kind of followed through. With Johnny Menzel coming in, he has always talked about the team being uh, a team that is not necessarily quarterback-centric, but a team that is similar and balanced like the Seattle Seahawks were. He was fascinated by the way they built their team. Um, and a lot of the conversation when people have really dinged them about Josh Gordon and why they haven't gone out and got a marquee receiver, during the senior bowl we talked and he said, look, Who's the marquee receiver for the Seattle Seahawks? Yet they were able to win it. He talked about Percy Harvin. Yeah, came in and made contributions. But it's about finding a couple of receivers that can step up on a game-by-game basis. With Johnny Menzel, I think the fascination with Johnny Menzel is how does he fit? What will he do? What would their offense look like? And I think if you go back and not necessarily look at what Cal Shanahan was able to do with the Washington Redskins and the pistol, Johnny Menzel didn't play in a pistol at Texas A&M. So when people kind of make that parallel, that's not necessarily accurate. I think when you look at what Cal Shanahan has done, he has experience doing the West Coast offense from his time with Gary Kubiak in Houston. I envision that offense looking very much like the Houston Texans offense look. Mm. When you have a lot mm. of boot rollout action, a lot of stretch runs. When you look at the two running backs they got, Terrence West and Ben Tate in the offseason, both of those guys are zone-based running games. So as I'm connecting the dots, it t- leads me to believe that they're going to run the zone-based system and then they're going to have Johnny Menzel always sneak out the back door. A lot of movement passes, mm. a lot of things. And then talking to a separate executive, he said, envision Johnny Menzel playing like Jeff Garcia in San Francisco rather than the Doug Flutie-Fran Tarkin in comparison. Hmm. Think about how Jeff Garcia played at his, at his prime, at his best, when Steve Mariucci was there. That's how you could see Johnny Menzel possibly playing in the National Football League. You, you've seen how teams use their offseason, OTAs, team building, training camp. Do you think there's anything to wasting a little bit too much energy on getting Brian Hoyer ready as a starter instead of investing all your time and resources into really – getting your number one draft pick prepared or is there plenty of time for both and doesn't really matter i mean i think it's plenty of time for both i i do think it's funny you know the browns have this groundswell of attention and media attention and everyone's fascinated by johnny menzel and they have done everything that they can to absolutely squash that it's and i wonder yeah and I, even like squash his comments oh he's a backup he's this i think if you buy into Johnny Menzel, you buy into the whole package. You buy into the personality. You buy into the competitive drive that he brings to the table. And I think you have to let Johnny be Johnny. And I think he doesn't get enough credit for his football IQ. I believe that he can play this game at a high, uh, at a high level. But I think you have to make sure you put him in a position to succeed. I understand having Brian Hoyer kind of take the reins early. But I think eventually Johnny Menzel has to be the quarterback of that team. Bucky Brooks, uh, I don't know if you're aware, but Chris Wessling to my right has <laughs> said he will eat his softball pants. <laughs> We're talking <laughs> nylon, uh, composite parts, metal zipper, if Johnny Menzel is not under center week one no, for the Browns. hold Brothers. on. No, no, no. Uh-oh. If Brian Hoyer starts over a healthy Johnny Menzel. In week one. If Tyler Thigpen starts, I'm in the clear. Okay. All right. Fair, <laughs> enough. Or, Fair if, enough. or if Manziel's hurt, uh, yeah. you're in the clear. Yeah. Is, should Wes be concerned? That, is it possible Manziel is not starting? I mean, I think, I think it's possible. Like, if, if he goes out and he just kind of lays an egg during preseason, he doesn't grasp the offense. I can't envision him not 
being the starter on opening day. Right. For as much as people are building up Brian Hoyer, let's keep Brian Hoyer in perspective. Like, he is not the next great coming. I think they drafted Johnny Menzel with a plan for him to be the starting quarterback. And also, because Kyle Shanahan did such a great job of getting Robert Griffin III ready to play as a rookie, hmm. I think Johnny Menzel will eventually be that guy. All right, let's move into uh, Minnesota. That is a team that uh, it seems is, uh, intrigues Bucky Brooks a little bit. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about Anthony Barr and what he could be doing in Minnesota this year? I think the uh, fascinating reports coming out of Minnesota is how Mike Zimmer will use Anthony Barr. Uh, he even alluded to having a Von Miller-like role in that defense. And so the transition that Anthony Barr has to make in Minnesota is moving from being a 3-4 outside linebacker to being a 4-3 outside linebacker. And while a lot of it is semantics, in making that comparison to what Von Miller has done for the Denver Broncos, I think that's a very valid way to get him on the field. First, you have him stand up, play over top of the tight end on first and second down, where he can use his length, his athleticism, and strength to set the edge on the running game. And then on nickel situations, you can have him put his hand on the ground and come off the edge. Von Miller really succeeded and thrived in that role. And Mike Zimmer has done similar things. If you go back to his days in Atlanta with Michael Bowley, if you look at Michael Bowley's production when Mike Zimmer was there, hmm. it's very, very similar to the role that I can envision Anthony Barr playing for them. So He got him a, paid, too. He got him a lot of money. <laughs> he, he did a really good job of finding a way to create production for him. I think he will find a way to create production for Anthony Barr. That, that Vikings team is interesting. We did this starting lineup series on the site, and you look at Barr – rushing off the edge, and then you look at the defensive line they have, Brian Robeson, Linval Joseph, Sharif Floyd, and yeah. Everson Griffin. That That's an intriguing group there. And, and with a defense coordinator or a head coach who, de facto defense coordinator, who understands how to get his guys going, his guys really play for them. He's a hard-nosed coach. He kind of finds a way to get them going. The success he had in Cincinnati, I absolutely believe he can do similar things in Minnesota. And he has a very young talented roster the only position of question for me is captain munderland playing at cornerback i just wonder can he hold up xavier rose captain munderland i wonder how good they are with josh robinson also having to play in the nickel package and what about teddy bridgewater what are you thinking of him right now i think people are excited about teddy bridgewater i know after we've gone through all the pre-draft speculation and people kind of poking holes in what he is i think they've been pleasantly surprised at what he's been able to do the fact that he's getting reps with the number ones says a lot about what he was able to show in rookie minicamp and he falls into what I think is a perfect situation for a rookie quarterback most rookie quarterbacks aren't drafted at the bottom of the first round so they typically don't fall into talented situations with Adrian Peterson in the backfield pass catchers you know Cordero Patterson Greg Jennings Kyle Rudolph he has a wealth of weapons around him where he only has to kind of play the point guard role if he doesn't go and mess it up I can easily see him supplant Matt Castle as a starting quarterback in Minnesota Let's talk about Mike Zimmer's old team. How is Hugh Jackson going to utilize Jeremy Hill, and what does that mean for Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis? You know, I love Hugh Jackson as an offensive coordinator. He doesn't get enough credit for what he did in Oakland. When he was the offensive coordinator in Oakland, twice they were finishing the top ten in rushing, and they were number two as an offensive coordinator. So in remaking that Cincinnati Bengals team, he's going to make them a tougher, more physical team at the point of attack, and they're going to run the ball between the tackles. Jeremy Hill would be the hammer in that offense. Ben Jarvis Green still could have a role, but I think Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard will be the one-two punch in that, in that running game, and they'll do a lot of unbalanced sets. That's one of the things that he does cleverly under the radar. He does a lot of extra offensive linemen in the game, unbalanced sets, running the power in the counter. He'll find a way to 
to get Jeremy Hill going. And part of the reason they drafted Jeremy Hill over Carlos Hyde is because they liked the way he ran at LSU against eight and nine-man boxes. He'll see some of those looks in the AFC North, but he'll thrive in that. Is, is his strategy to improve Andy Dalton going to be partly to minimize Andy Dalton? I think so. I think what he'll do is he'll try and make it where you have to respect the running game because if they can create enough of a punch in the run where they can draw that extra safety into the box, now it makes it easy for Andy Dalton to throw outside. But Andy Dalton has to grow up, and I'm surprised. I know there's been conversations about him signing that contract. I'm not all in on Andy Dalton being necessarily a franchise quarterback that can get them to the next level. I think they'll do everything in their power to put him in a situation where he can't fail. But I could see them playing another quarterback real soon in Cincinnati. How, well, how do you mean real soon? Abba, this Abba. Year? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to. I don't say, think they'll sign that contract either. I think Mike Brown. You, you know, Mike. I don't think Mike Brown's going to give him that deal this year. I think well, he's going to let it ride. There's he, no reason to give him that deal this year. Well, the deal that he wants, if he's talking about that 18 to 19 that Joe Flacco Hell money, no. like that's un, that's crazy talk. That's crazy for Andy Dalton. <laughs> now, AJ McCarron, for whatever AJ McCarron is or isn't. The offense that he's stepping into in Cincinnati is very similar to what he did in Alabama, where all he has to do is be a game manager, a caretaker. If, for whatever reason, Andy Dalton is hurt, can't get it done, I think Andy, I mean, hmm. A.J. McCarron can step in there and not only play, but play very, very well. As a rookie, situation. you think he's a guy that they can I think he's on. a guy. I think he was drafted for a reason. I don't think it was just a throwaway pick. I think there was something hmm. behind taking A.J. McCarron. I think, you know, regardless of whether he has all the talent and tools that you look for in a franchise quarterback, I think he's a good player. He's won a lot of games. And knowing how to get his team to the winning circle, there's something to be said for that. Does it matter? You, you've you been inside of teams and from the front office and scouting perspective. Does it matter that he's a fifth-round pick? Well, like, if he was a third-round pick by the Bengals, would that materially help his chances of playing sooner? Or, or uh, does it really matter? Maybe. I mean, when someone comes in like, one picks one, two, and three. First three rounds, those are guys that are pretty much locks to be on your team. You expect them to have a future for you. You expect them to eventually be starters in your program. Now, the fact that he's a fifth-round pick, it does kind of put him out of the realm of conversation in terms of being a lock. But if he goes in and shows people in OTAs, minicamps, but more importantly in preseason – that he can handle the responsibilities of being a quarterback, he could get a legitimate chance. I mean, I don't want to bring up the Russell Wilson thing because he was a third rounder, and there is a little bit of a difference. But I think ultimately you want to play players who earn the right to get on the field. If he earns the right through his performance in preseason, he could be a guy. And finally, I know you are um, or you're hearing a lot of intrigue around how the Saints plan to use Brandon Cooks. You know, Brandon Cooks, one of my favorite players in the draft, super explosive, probably the most polished of all the wide receivers coming out. When you lose a Darren Sproles and you let Lance Moore go, you have to kind of figure out a way to make up that production. The fact that the Saints jumped up to get him says that Sean Payton has a plan for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that plan could in- include him being kind of the guy that plays all over the field, in the slot, on the outside, does a lot of stuff. I can see Brandon Cooks being a guy, and as a, as a rookie, to have 70-plus catches as a guy that kind of makes Ooh. up some of the production wow. that Darren Sproles had as an underneath checkdown guy, but also some of the stuff that Lance Moore did. Plus, he's explosive enough to get over the top. He should have a big, big, big season. I'm not a fantasy football player, but I would put a lot of money on Brandon Cooks if he was my guy. Let me throw out one more. You mentioned fantasy football. Mm-hmm. It's really got my attention how much Dave Gettleman, the Panthers GM, <laughs> has talked up Odell Beckham. Love it. Has said twice on two different occasions, the only wide receiver in this class you can't question his route running is Odell Beckham. There's some truth to that. And I think when you look, you have to understand, like, evaluators and GMs and scouts, when they're looking – 
at tape. They're trying to find guys that are seamlessly fit into a pro system. Because Odell Beckham played under Cam Cameron, he ran routes that we see on Sundays. We see an offense mm. at LSU that is one that's very similar to what Cam Cameron did at Baltimore and Miami and San Diego. So it's easy to look at him and say, okay, he can run all of the routes on the route tree. He shouldn't have a big learning curve in terms of being able to get on the field for the Giants. And, in fact, when I watched him on tape, he reminded me of the guy they already have in New York in Victor Cruz. His skill set reminds me of Victor Cruz, but he has a little more pop. So the fact that you have Victor Cruz, Odell Beckham, and now Reuben Randall also on the outside, you have three really good wide receivers, and you have a new offensive coordinator that is going to run some of that West Coast system. I think he could be a really good fit. I don't see Dave Gettleman being out of bounds with that comment because I think there's some truth there. Is that. he trying to get a job in New York again if Carolina doesn't <laughs> work out? Say, he did not about? draft Odell Beckham. <laughs> you know, it, the, the, the funny thing is whenever you leave a team and you go to another team, there's some that affinity that you have for your previous team allows you or leads you to make decisions based on what you've experienced. Even his decision to d- draft Kelvin Benjamin, he talks about Plaxico Burris. Now, I didn't necessarily see that, but the more he talks about it, I can see trying to give Cam Newton what Eli Manning had, a big target, a guy that can kind of expand the strike zone to make up for some of the accuracy issues that he may or may not have on the outside. So Dave Gettleman is reaching back into his past, and that's why he believes so much in those guys he talked about. If I was a Panthers fan, I'd be like, hey, buddy. Let's get some receivers that you talk up on the Panthers. <laughs> we just let them go. He didn't have the 12th overall pick. You know, yeah, I mean, I, th- I would like to see them surround. Like, I think of all the top quarterbacks, Cam has been the one who has had to do the most with the least in yes. terms of the talent on the outside. You would like to see him upgrade that uh, receiver core on the perimeter. For sure. Bucky Brooks, we want you, if possible, to come in. On a semi-regular basis. Let's we do it. love that. Let's do it. Let's put me in. Yes. Put me Buc- in, Coach. I'm ready. All right. Bucky Brooks <laughs> has visited his personal dumpster, the Around the League podcast. <laughs> He's unloaded into it. I don't know if this analogy really works, but we're just going to roll with it from now. But uh, thanks you, thank you, Bucky, for uh, coming in, and uh, we hope to see you again soon. Appreciate it. I'll work on my Jay-Z laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to. <laughs> All right, Bucky Brooks with another great showing. Love that guy. I love his Jay-Z laugh. Let's hear it one more time. <laughs> and then let's hear Bucky. <laughs> wow. It's like the same dude. It's uncanny. Hmm, very interesting. Anyway, we mentioned earlier that uh, we had some news on the gold standard, and I can't say it's great news for the podcast, but it's you know good news for the gold standard. He will be leaving us. Leaving us the gold standard. Zach Goldman. Moving on to other endeavors. And, uh, Zach, you just should know that you will be missed. Thank you so much. It's very kind. I've so enjoyed my time here. You guys are the best. And, uh, yeah, I'm always a caller, a tweet away. You know that violin there? If I was a conspiracy-minded listener, I would be wondering why the violin music was playing on the previous podcast. Greg called the gold standard a punk, and then on the next podcast, the the news breaks that the gold standard is leaving. There is no connection. Zach and I have a small Jewish man bond that you guys will never (laughs) understand. You'll never get it. Well, Zach, yes, we we have loved uh, working with you, and who knows, maybe one day down the road we will be reunited, but for now you're moving on to uh, even better things. Before you go, by the way. Not we, the final show, by the way. No, no, I'll we, still be here we've for a got, while. We've got a oh, couple Oh, yeah, weeks. we should make that clear. I'm just making sure. You're right. You're absolutely right. Greg, uh, Gold Center's got about three more weeks with us, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but we just want to let the audience know and also uh, throw it out there that because it's, to me, the thing that stresses uh, the Gold Standard out the most 
it, which is finding contestants for Win West's Toaster. I wanted to put that heat on it one more time. You got to do it. And for uh, well, this will be for the Gold Standards last week. We will bring back Win West's Toaster. Win West's Toaster. <laughs> the game, uh, the game of skill and valor, in which contestants uh, battle in NFL trivia against Chris Wessling, the mailman, uh, with the winner uh, either West keeping his toaster, which he always has, or a contestant taking Wes's signature NFL toaster that po- that manages to somehow superimpose NFL logos upon the bread product. So that will happen. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, that will happen. It's the eighth wonder of the world. Yes, three weeks from now. And Gold Standard, who will be leaving us, unfortunately, um, in three weeks, it will be his last big task is to round up some re- a real murderer's row. And, you know, just to make it even more special, um, we're lining up someone special, a real heavyweight. If the callers cannot take West down, somebody from inside the building, mm. a you know Hulk Hogan Ultimate Warrior WrestleMania Six type showdown. If West slays all comers, and uh, Gold Standard, are you going to give uh-huh. us a nice crop of challengers? I, oh, I, I ask you. I will. Given that this is the last go around, it's the only way I can go out. <laughs> I want to know who the in-house competitor could be. I've got a guess though. Brian Baldinger. <laughs> Baldy. I don't Baldy? know. That would be a fun one. <laughs> He's got a messed up pinky. I think we should keep him out. It's gross. <laughs> um, all right. So that was that's the big news. And, Zach, we, we've really enjoyed working with you. But we got some time left. But we wanted to get that out there. And you get to work, Gold Standard, because you're not done uh, working for us yet. Sounds good. All right. So let's get out of here. Uh, signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss. Bucky Brooks, why not throw it out to him? Kevin Patra. Kevin Patra, who's always coming at you. And, of course, the gold standard, the quitter, they should call it. No, that's not true. (laughs) That's not true. He's a good man. Until Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.